Hi, and welcome to Women Travel, a podcast about places women have been and the things they did there. With me today is Annika Sieverts, and we're kind of going to cover a unique type of historical exploration. Uh, Annika, I'm going to have you take it from there. Yeah, so hi, I'm Annika. I'm a graduate student who's studying technical communications, and I do a lot of emphasis in queer studies. So in my undergrad, I got a history minor, and with that, I uh, did a lot of queer history, and one of them that Morgan was very interested in was my papers on queer pirates. On gay pirates, I believe, was what you said. I believe, I believe, yes, gay pirates uh, <laughs> in the beginning, but yeah. So I just, before I make too many jokes that might come off as insensitive, because it's a funny concept, mm-hmm. but it's worth acknowledging that, like, I don't want to imply anything against being gay or, or uh, any alternative lifestyles, or is alternative lifestyles valid now? I have no idea. I think it's just living your life. I'm starting to doubt everything. <laughs> we both have a history history of working with queer advocacy and uh, queer activism. And this is just an interesting topic that I have never thought about uh, is gay pirates in history. Oh, gosh, when you go to college, there's so many boring history classes. And they're just like, here's about all these white men that are like really privileged and sound awesome. And I'm always that one person. <laughs> I'm that like one feminist in the background that's like, what about women? <laughs> and a lot of them were like oh shut up um and so I always tried to take the opportunity to do either like feminist work or queer theory work do you want me to start like talking about how I came to understand the concept of gay pirates at all or I would love that okay so obviously not obviously but if you don't know I'm queer I'm on the queer spectrum I identify as queer I have a girlfriend right on um <laughs> And so growing up, one of my uh, lesbian awakening moments was seeing Keira Knightley in Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes. (laughs) And so that just kind of stuck with me because there's this huge concept of pirates are supposed to be like this very straight white men masculine identity that people take. Mm -hmm. Um, But really, if you think about like the history of it, it's the exact opposite. And so in in my studies, like most of the pirates were people who were outcast. So they were someone who didn't want to be in the Navy. So you've probably heard stories about how uh, they would kidnap people and tattoo them. Well, they were tattooing themselves because they didn't want to be in the Queen's Army. And you were, like, unclean if you had tattoos? Mm-hmm. You were unclean and unfit worthy to serve for the crown. And so that's how people would rebel against it. Kind of like now how, you know, people would run to Canada for Vietnam. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, try to escape it. It's, it's the same concept. They don't want to fight for their queen or country just because of, like, some pirates are, like, stealing some cargo. And so I started to really think about, like, the identity of pirates. And if you're on a boat with all men, things are going to happen. <laughs> I, I just want to tangent real quick, because I was talking to someone else about this idea, like, oh, I'm really looking forward to this interview, and we're going to be talking about gay pirates. And they were like, what? And I was like, well, it kind of makes sense, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People get horny. It's a thing. <laughs> when a daddy bird and a daddy bird get bored. And they were just like, no, that can't have been the thing. And I was like, 
Oh, do you yeah. know the like the jokes about the navy? Like... That actually brings me to this point. Uh, we've always had gay pirates, and we still continue to have gay pirates. This was one of my favorite stories. So in the navy, I believe during I don't know if it was in the 1950s or 40s, but you know people were just really scared of gay people mm. <laughs> as always. And so these naval officers would hire men to go on the navy ship and try to catch the gay guys. But the thing is, gay men would then take those positions because they're saying, <laughs> oh, hey, I can get some I can get some fun <laughs> on this ship and I won't like report anything. So there's always been gay pirates. There will always be gay pirates. And I believe one of the phrases that I absolutely love is how they would identify each other on the naval ships was go, do you got a little sugar in your pocket for me? Huh. And so that was kind of a, a queer term. Ha! Sorry, that just took me a second, and then I'm like, oh, the visual, I see it. Okay. Okay. Uh-huh. Cool. Uh-huh. <laughs> Where did you start finding points of validity in this? I think a lot of people can identify with this, but when you're a queer person, especially in, like, a repressed state, so, like, I live in Idaho, which is a very red state, and so you have to find yourself within those little hints I guess and so for me like the little hints was like oh there's female pirates and like the pirates on tv are very like flamboyant like their clothes aren't very like masculine they're very free-flowing I'm like where did that come from and then I one of my favorite songs by my favorite indie artist is Cosmo Jarvis and he sings a song about gay pirates and that I was introduced to that in junior high and I love his music and I continue to listen to it. And because of that, I've always been like, I really want to do a research paper on gay pirates, but I don't know when I can do it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so you've been holding on to that question for a while. Oh, yes. Okay. I just didn't, I didn't have the means or the times or being comfortable with myself to uh, explore mm -hmm. that area just yet. So it wasn't till I was at Boise State University where I got my degree. It took like a couple semesters until I could find the right class. And it was a creative nonfiction class and she wanted us to do kind of like journalism stuff. And she was like, you, yeah, you have all this time to like figure out your ideas and have fun with it. And so I turned to her and I said, hey, I have this idea about gay pirates, can I do it? And she goes, duh. <laughs> Yay. So I did all this research and there's actually quite a few books. Um, I actually wrote them down to recommend them. So one of them that I use for my research is called Sodomy and the Pirate Traditions by Dr. Berg. And it's actually not accepted academic because that came at a time where people were very much like, pirates are straight characters, what the hell are you talking about? But he would find documents of pirate marriage. So there's something that's called pirate marriage where if they're together on the boat for a really long time and love each other or however you want to put it they would have a tradition where they would then promise themselves to each other and promise that they would split booty uh -huh, uh, <laughs> half and half and a lot of the time <laughs> and a lot of the times these couples will then go on an island kind of ruin themselves and then just live in a like little hut together for the rest of their lives kind of like the you know the lesbian ideal of like a cottage lesbian in the mountains except pirates are like Yes. Hot on the desert beach. Love that. <laughs> it seems kind of appropriate because they're yeah, still yeah. wearing the flamboyant clothes and they've got like the fun jewelry and like the, yeah, it hits a lot of stereotype. That would be artwork that I oh, would enjoy so seeing. Much of it. <laughs> the little houses. Uh, yeah, there's some of the houses, but just like, you know, 
flamboyant gay pirates of art that people have done. <laughs> so if people are going to, you know, we always have to address the, uh, the people that are going to say, well, that's not true. You're just being stereotyped. So the flowing clothes actually comes from a legit pirate called uh, Calico Jack. Jack Rackham, and he was made fun of because he was very flamboyant character. So he didn't really like the tight clothes, so he would wear these like bright colorful coats for these flowing clothes, and he was a very famous pirate. And he even created the uh, skull and crossbones that we know now for the, for the pirate flag. He did? Yes, he did. <laughs> he just went a little extra mile for that one. Really? Mm-hmm. How, um... Why was he like skull and crossbones? He was like, this is like really cool, bro. <laughs> bro, this is pretty metal. Yeah, bro. he's like, oh, well, obviously, like, there's several pirates where their first impression, like, matters so much. Uh-huh. And Calico Jack really wanted to throw people off because some pirates would fly, uh, you know, the national flag and then trick sailors. But he wanted to strike fear in people at the moment they saw a ship. So he built this very black flag with skull and crossbones to really strike fear and then to have that another front of like a physical like oh these are kind of attractive people with the flag that are attacking us right now for our cargo this is kind of strange oh i'm so overwhelmed do i fight them or do i kiss them what do i do <laughs> yeah, exactly <laughs> and his mo- probably almost as equally as popular or well-known partner was Anne Bonny. I don't know if you know anything about Anne Bonny. Mm. Tell me more. <laughs> of course. So she was one of the, I don't want to say first pirates that got infamy because there were several female pirates in the time. Like, oh gosh, there was a Chinese empress who was a yes. pirate and she had a, a lesbian couple as well. Uh, pretty awesome. Yes. Um, and so Anne Bonny was a bisexual person. People will say, people will hate me for this, but she was definitely bisexual. Um, and she had flaming red hair and often she would fight with her tits out. Okay, so like um, the, a lot of the Irish fighters where you just fight with your tits out. Yeah. Because it's distracting, but also it's more like free of movement. Yes. As I recall. Yes, yeah. very much so. Yeah. You, I knew that one. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all about free the nipple. <laughs> I, I love it um, <laughs> but she had a lover and people will also probably fight me on this but you know it's when you read between the lines of the historical documents it's very hard to argue who was Mary Ann Reed I don't know if you know of Mary Reed again please tell me more okay so Mary Reed is probably one of the first well-known transgender pirate so she would dress up as a man most of her life in fact she dressed up as a man for the navy and fought in the navy for about 10 years until she found her first husband and then married him and then he died and like a year later and but she still kept dressing in male clothes And so uh, there's a legendary story of she joined Calico Jack's crew and Captain Rackham got really jealous because Anne Bonny and this new male pirate were really close. Mm -hmm. He was getting really confused why his girl was hanging on this person. And so finally, uh, somehow they got in the captain quarters and he's yelling at her. And Mary Reed just takes off her shirt and is like, no, dude, 
I'm a girl. I just like to dress up as a man. But even though like the crew knew she was a woman and she was exposed as a woman, tried as a woman, she still dressed as a man for most of her life. And you said she was tried as a woman? She was tried as a woman, yeah. So uh, the golden age of piracy went on from 1650 to 1720. So that's a pretty good year. Back in the good old days. Good old days. Gosh, I don't think it's Queen Elizabeth, but one of the queens was like, y'all, we need to stop these pirates because they're stealing our cargo. So there's several battles. Actually, the, the famous one, the reason why uh, Captain uh, Rackham and, and Bonnie and Mary Reed got captured is because Calico Jack got drunk one night and in the middle of the night, like the whole crew was hammered except for Mary and Anne. And uh, one of the Queen's Navy snuck up on them at the middle of the night and started fighting them on board. And the only ones that weren't drunk were Mary and Anne. And so they had their tits out and they were like, <laughs> and uh, Calico Jack had actually locked himself uh, in his chambers because him being drunk and probably like, what the, what the hell is this, dude? I'm not gonna die. Uh -huh. And so Anne Bonnie is quoted to scream at him, you better come out here and die like the dog you are. Damn. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, love it. Love this this little like uh, a thruple, yeah. whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So they were all captured because the queen wanted to try them and put them on as examples of like this is what you get for messing with England. Like, fuck all y'all. <laughs> um, and so Mary and Anne actually pled that their bellies were full, meaning they were mm -hmm, pregnant. Because you don't get hanged if you're pregnant. Not until after the child is born. Then you're, oh, cool. <laughs> then you're I hanged. thought you just got sent to America. Nope. You get hanged. Well, also, they're, you know, trying to create, like, a, a symbol of them as well. So Jack was hanged, killed. I think a skeleton was presented somewhere. And Bonnie actually gave birth but escaped jail and Mary Reed gave birth in jail, but she died of uh, scarlet fever. Oh. Yeah. So we don't know what happened to Anne Bonnie after that. I'm sure she probably, like, <laughs> was like, okay, I'm going to chill out and, like, relax somewhere on an island. Um, yeah. Wait, where were they imprisoned? In England. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. So you think she, best case scenario, she got on a boat and like got out of England and did whatever? Yeah, she she probably went back to Havana or Nassar, which is the, the pirate islands. In fact, if you go to Nassar today, you will see a statue of Mary Reed and Anne Bonny. Really? Mm -hmm. That is so cool. Yeah, that's one, um, that's one of my bucket lists to go to. <laughs> what, so what's the history behind like the pirate islands? Were they just popular ports or were they straight up like the Pirates of the Caribbean Tortuga kind of uh, scene? <laughs> kind of a mixture of both. Uh, Are there any sea witches there? I need to know. I mean, here's, here's the great thing about this is like, a lot of people think pirates are like white men escaping England when in fact like 80% of the crew were like black men or women or even Chinese sailors so during that time of course there's correct me if I'm wrong audience but you know the time of voodoo and magic and you know pirates are very superstitious so I'm sure there was many dragons many dragons many sea dragons manatees were the mermaids <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure there was quite a few smart people that you know had some white men come up to them be like I'm superstitious she's like oh yeah here here's some magic spells for you <laughs> do this your your ship will be safe stuff like that and then in all all of that superstition has been like funneled into baseball 
nowadays. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> pirate. You're baseball is because of pirates. A hundred percent. Haven't you seen the movie <laughs> Hook, you guys? Not a great film. That was really good. That was just a great little story. I'm just. <laughs> hey, what's that song called? The the Cosmo Jarvis. Uh, gay pirates. <laughs> if you don't mind, I would like to play just a little bit of that. Oh, 100%. Please do. I love it. That was, uh, that was good. That was great. Um, Thank you. I, you... Still, I still have more if you want to hear about some more male pirates, for sure. Yes. Do you know why Cosmo Jarvis wrote that song? Or do you think it's just a similar where you guys are equally interested well, in this Jarvis topic? Well, Cosmo Jarvis is a very interesting figure. He's actually in uh, a movie. Oh, gosh. What is it called? Not my cousin Rachel. Uh, it's like La- Lady Macbeth. That's what he's in. So he's uh, Cosmo Jarvis has moved on from a singer-songwriter to a uh, full-on actor in in England. So I think he's in one of the Royal Albert Theatre productions, doing some stage plays right now. Wow! Mm-hmm. But he does amazing music where uh, it's very satirical work. So he'll have he has a song called "She Doesn't Mind," which is about anal sex. <laughs> And he has another one called Sure as Hell Not Jesus, which is about a priest that gets away with molesting little children because the Pope. So he goes hard on these these topics. I imagine as an actor, he does do a lot of historical searching. Mm -hmm. That's a pretty common thing to do. So I wouldn't be surprised if that was if he did research along with the song oh yeah uh, i'm i'm very sure he's oh gosh i would love to meet him one day because <laughs> if you're listening to this i'm coming for you <laughs> but yeah no he yeah so he's just always been kind of an inspiration he you know everyone has that one artist where you could probably listen to them on repeat for the rest of your life until you die uh <laughs> that's cosmo jarvis for me okay <laughs> so yeah that's that's how he kind of started this whole process of looking into queer pirates and it's actually now a goal of mine if I do get a PhD and become a professor we'll see to do two classes which is on uh, gay pirates or fan fiction sexuality hey it's me I was uh, just wanted to let you know thank you for listening and I uh, hope you're doing all right we are trying to keep it pretty lighthearted during this episode so I hope you enjoy that um, Annika has been a very longtime friend of mine and so I hope you enjoy getting to hear her perspective on things because it's very fun and it's it's very empathetic so I love that about her this week I let's see here I still have a patreon up if you would like to donate that would be amazing at patreon.com women travel if you're able to I highly recommend donating to any of your local food banks because they still need food they still are able to help other people and have gotten gotten better during this crisis to serve the community the song I'm using I guess this is for season two is what we're going into uh it's called the free fall it's available on spotify by analog dither which is the same guy who does hats for birds on Bandcamp. and so thanks for doing that thanks for listening and back to the show I think you I think you'll figure it out. <laughs>
Uh, I appreciate your faith in me. It's not, it's like quality has been up and down. Mm. Uh, and that's mostly because of my level of uh, emotional energy has been up and down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, I wonder why. Tell me, tell me a little bit more no, about that. Just the weather, mostly. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so yes, there's gay pirates, which we can. There, I want to hear one more story from there. But you are also talking about queer, um, queer identity and fan fiction. Can I have you elaborate on that a little bit more, yes. please? It, kind of another story where, when I was younger, growing up in a very Republican household and being Mormon at the time, obviously not now. <laughs> so when I would go to church and hear about how like gay relationships aren't acceptable, they're wrong, blah 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 blah, and then go home and have these feelings I didn't know what to do with them so I would turn to fan fiction to kind of read like healthy relationships and what it meant to be queer and feeling these feelings and wanting to be in a same-sex relationship and so that has been a huge identity for me and so again when I was in college I was really curious I was in a uh, argument class over the summer so really intense like five days out of the week like I go home I'm just I'm imagining that like you what are you doing here I'm allowed to be here what are you doing yeah, here and then like that's yes exactly it's like okay guys here we are going to study for three hours straight you'll go home read 50 pages by tomorrow and come back for more um oh my God. so intense but like so rewarding and I had a really cool teacher who uh would eventually become my boss at the writing center at Boise State and she wanted us to write a argument paper about anything we want so you're just trying to uh, persuade people to think about a new subject or idea or study like how uh, like when my friend did pharmaceutical meds and how they advertise and persuade people to pay more money when they probably shouldn't and so I came up to her and I said hey I want to do fan fiction and sexuality. And she went, I have no idea what that is or what you're trying to do, but sure, go for it. So me being the little research and history goblin I've got to say, you've, got, you've had a few really cool teachers who you brought up a passion and they seem to just be like, yes, do that passion. Feel that yes. feeling. And I think that's really impressive. It, it's impressive and it's mostly because teachers are just as tired as you are from reading mundane papers and writing <laughs> mundane papers. So when you give them an opportunity to learn something new or to actually like have an exciting paper, they're like, thank God, <laughs> <laughs> we'll love it. Yeah, so I went up to her, I was like, let me do this. And she's like, okay. So I made a survey and I put it on Tumblr and I tagged it with all like all the famous like gay pairings that I could and I got 110 people to actually take my survey okay which is pretty amazing for someone who's never done a survey before and I got all this really fascinating research about how people said yes fan fiction did help me develop a healthy way to either view myself or how to educate myself fan fiction right. and same-sex relationship because we don't really talk about that in health class and I gave them an opportunity at the end to give me a story about how fan fiction has helped them or something like that. And I would get people that would say, like, I lived in the Middle East where being gay was a, a crime you could actually be killed for. And so fan fiction was the way I could express my, mm. uh, my true self while I put on this facade. 
and it's just like oh I just I just love it or how people would say like reading gay fan fiction helped me realize I was in an abusive relationship and it helped me take the few steps that I need to take to get out of it Mm -hmm. that's a whole I could talk about that in another podcast uh for sure there's a huge history about fan fiction I could get into um that's another one of my niches for sure (laughs) now just so someone who maybe didn't grow up the same way we did uh what Mm -hmm. how would you define fan fiction oh gosh there's I might get in trouble with this again so fan fiction is essentially when you read a story and you're so passionate about characters that you want to write it yourself so in fact um Steinbeck is kind of a fan fiction author but he got published because he wrote a book about King Arthur and and the knights and so it's taking canonical works and then envisioning it in your own way but if you're a and, and I know queer is kind of a slur so forgive me if this like really trigger someone uh but it's just the easiest umbrella term but when you have a queer individual who reads canon stuff and wants to create a story that represents them because they don't have that identity they then go on to create fan fiction it's like a subgenre created from how heteronormative a lot of fiction yeah. has been only because i'm very familiar with the internet i can understand why people would be annoyed by that definition yeah. but i think yeah I, i'm always careful the o- older generation older uh gays and lesbians especially with like stonewall and all that. okay we're still getting off topic <laughs> uh. before i lived here i lived with uh she was in her 50s and she was a lesbian um and she had been around in seattle and she had uh been alive when stonewall happened and there's there's a lot more emotion to it when violence is threatened and so and unfortunately for her she was quite burned out of a Mm -hmm. lot of those kind of protests um and she didn't participate as much because to her it was like yeah we won it's yep mm -hmm." (laughs) like (laughs) and and so there was a there's you know a lot of traumatic emotion that comes from it and so when someone's fictionalizing that it it could feel insensitive mm-hmm. yeah for sure um but as uh morgan and i were catching up because we've been friends for a very long time we were talking about how there are certain characters that are queer coded and for those who don't know queer coding means an author uh, unknowingly puts some sort of either gay stereotypes or some homosexual tendencies within their characters. And so when you have a queer-coded character, a lot of the times queer people will recognize that and will latch onto that character and then boom it into like this huge fan fiction. So which is why like Sherlock Holmes is such a huge part of fan fiction or Mr. Kirk or Mr. Kirk, gosh, Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, because both of those are queer-coded, and in fact, canical by the person who created them. So, yeah. <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry, they were intentionally gay, or they were intentionally... Oh, yeah. No, oh. They're, inten- they're intentionally gay. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> this is a whole other podcast, <laughs> Okay, fair. You're right. Uh, one one more question. Why isn't Spongebob ever fan-fictionalized? Like, hardly oh. ever. <laughs> uh, he is. Oh, okay. Because especially after the Spongebob, the musical, 
he is oh. he is very much in fan fiction. It just feels okay. I just haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's hard when you get those kid shows to make fan fiction because they're originally for kids. Um, mm. But I will say that the creator of SpongeBob was a marine biologist. And so any of the dirty jokes you see are, in fact, from him studying animals and putting them in there. So I don't know if you remember the jellyfish episode where there's, like, the barnacle king or whatever. And, like, the guy, like, tricks him, tricks Spongebob to go and get jellyfishes. And then his buddies, like, rip off his crown. And oh, yeah. Yeah, and he was like, oh, he goes, I thought this was a crown. He goes, it wasn't. That was technically his genitalia based off of uh, marine biology. Like, the anatomy of it? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. I, I did not know that the original creator was a marine biologist, so I'm going to put that under mm-hmm. today I learned. Um, wow. <laughs> That's so cool that someone was able to, like, study something and be like, I will make a funny show about this. Yeah, oh, <laughs> dream come true. <laughs> right? <laughs> I want to make a cartoon about food. Do Ooh, it. Yeah, do it. Spicy. Spicy. Um, <laughs> okay, you said you had one more, potentially one more story. Um, yes. Anything you want, go for okay. it. Okay, so, uh, do you know who Blackbeard is? I have heard it referenced, especially in cartoony um, pirates. Yeah, so he and Black Bar are probably one of the most famous pirates that most people have heard of. Blackbeard was a, oh gosh, how do I say this? A not confident straight man. So he had about 400 wives. Wow. Um, So a lot of people would say he's overcompensating for something. Yeah, like, whenever he would go on land, he was like, let's get married. So I do feel like there's some sort of him trying to validate his masculinity after so months on on He was always searching for his true anchor. His true anchor, yeah. His true beard. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. Yeah, so just wanted to throw that out there. So even if you think there's, like, one, like, mega straight pirate, no. Sorry, they're they're all a little gay. (laughs) They're all misfits. They're all in the sea together. Things happen. But one of my favorites is Black Bart, who was one of the most famous pirates, though doesn't get the recognition that he deserves. So he had about 200 uh, naval ships in his pirate crew. And because he was so feared, most of the time when he would come up, people would just throw themselves off the boat and just give him the supplies and the ship. Just because he had this very, like, ruthless demeanor. But actually, he was one of the most smartest pirates, and he created uh, the Code of Pirates. So uh, the pirate, the pirate code. code, as uh, you know, <laughs> okay. and uh, most of it is was like, there's no woman folk on the ship. Um, treat the cabin boys nice, because sadly, cabin boys. Hmm. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff in there. We won't get. <laughs> we won't get into that. It's uh, it's it's sketch. Um, and he would say, keep your appearance clean and make sure you bathe. And he like really cared for his crew. And oh gosh, I love this so much. So I learned this from a book called If a Pirate I Must Be by Sanders, which is about the true life of Black Bart. And in it, he reveals that Black Bart had a English naval officer who was his lover. And he would often come onto the ship 
and just hang out for months. And he would break all of Black Bart's rules. And people, the crew would come up to the captain and be like, what the heck are you doing? Like, if we'd done this, we, I, we would be lashed by now. And he was like, eh, 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 I'll take care of it. <laughs> and so he marooned his boyfriend at one point. And then, and then a couple of months later, he's back on the ship. <laughs> <laughs> and they're writing letters back and forth. Um, and I, I think it was after Black Bart's death that it, like, finally separated, but just, just imagine, like, this big crew that's just like, oh, we got all these great pirate laws and blah, 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 and this really fair, like, handsome naval ship officer. Oh, fancy boy. Fancy boy comes in the, and the captain's like, uh, yeah. exempt from all rules. Yeah. <laughs> Stay in my cabin if tonight. If I had a nickel for every relationship where I've seen that happen. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so one of, oh, one of the coolest things about Black Bart's uh, mythology that a lot of people don't know is that he could actually be one of the first trans pirates, like legit trans pirates. There's no record of his birth. There's no medical records. When he died, they didn't have a corner look at him they just put him out to sea mm. um and there's just like n- nothing about his health or his body or anything like that so some people have speculated that uh black bart was a woman uh-huh. and was trying to escape her fortune or fate or just wasn't comfortable in her own skin and became a pirate and then really became who he always wanted to be so that's incredible yeah, uh, I really hope that's true. I hope I'm so happy too. either way. Yeah, I know. Either way, it's great. It's, he's either yeah. just a great, a gay cis boy with a little naval officer, <laughs> or he's a transgender male pirate. That's one of the first like got trans away with it. Who passed? Pirates. Yeah, who passed? Who passed? Amazing. He Love absolutely it so passed. Much. Yes. <laughs> Still passing to this day. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It did make me think of Naomi Novak. Uh, are you familiar with her writing? Ooh, I've heard the name. I don't think I've had the pleasure of reading anything of her. She doesn't though. directly, as far as I know, she doesn't directly have any uh, queer relationships outright. Uh, but it's historical fiction. Mm-hmm. It includes pirates and dragons. And a lot of her fiction mm-hmm. is about women being empowered to do what they want to do. Um, and they have interesting systems mm-hmm. built into this because sometimes women have to become captains because they like are emotionally mm-hmm. tied to this dragon. And the navy wants mm-hmm. to use the dragon oh i've actually heard of this yeah it was on tumblr it was a huge thing was on it tumblr now? for a couple of years so she did a dragon series she did short stories she did uh what is it uprooted and spinning silver and those are two uh uprooted are you familiar okay. with that one yes i haven't read it but i know it's uh uh, my friend Masha loved that gotcha. book. Yeah, I just wanted to throw that one out there because there's a lot of good nonfiction, but there's also some really enjoyable fiction of, I mean, that would very much be professional fan fiction in my mind of like, well, what if oh, yeah. pirates are dragons? Um, what if Napoleon had a dragon? <laughs> Let's find out. And it's very well written, yeah. Yeah, 100%. And there's a lot of people think fan fiction means like, oh, white women in the 30s. Twilight. They think Twilight. (laughs) They think Twilight. Yeah, exactly. But in (laughs) real... Ooh, I'm gonna get so much trouble for this. Uh, (laughs) But like, uh, Narnia is Christian fan fiction. Sure. 
Lord of the Rings is also Christian fan fiction. That one I haven't heard. Yeah, it's uh, well, it's more like a World War One kind of fan fiction because he took stuff like that. But um, if you look at Gandalf the Grey, who then becomes Gandalf the White, it's very like sure. Jesus. They're like uh, I guess themes that are pretty clear. Yeah. Yeah. And there's ton of Pride and Prejudice fan fiction that you can buy at stores. Do you think Darcy is gay? Or gay coded? Do I wish he was a lesbian? Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh god. I accidentally like pulled back too hard. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean like if you really think about it, like Elizabeth is very like lesbian. And Darcy is, like, very mm-hmm. <laughs> When I was watching Fruits Baskets with my girlfriend, the, the revamp, um, I would always just be like, uh, these are all just lesbians. <laughs> um, just because they're very, like, flamboyant. And I'm like, well, ah, these lesbians. <laughs> specifically because you were talking about Blackbeard who had 400 wives and that kind of stuff, or the alternative is being very timid around women. I was wondering if Darcy was gay-coded in the sense, and this is, of course, we're never going to get the real answer, <laughs> but is if Darcy's gay-coded in the sense of, like, he's very gentle, he's very not interested in women, he's very, mm-hmm. like, um, polished, yeah. I guess, is a good way to phrase mm-hmm. it, and he's very, like, reserved. And if I, if I were gay in that time period, I think that's how I would act, is like, ooh, just not interested, uh, gonna just, um pocket myself in this asexual branch yeah and uh i know uh, a lot of people pair him with mr bingley sure because because mr bingley is also kind of queer coded kind of like this silly character that has never buckled down or anything like that until like he comes and he's always with mr darcy too mm. so there's there's some sus sus <laughs> stuff going on there <laughs> for sure and i know um catherine bingley is also kind of queer coded as well oh, i didn't think about that yeah kind of like the bitch and blah 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 uh there's actually now that i'm thinking about it there's so many queer coded characters like mary the the sister that doesn't have like any like real re- relationship at all and it's just kind of like on her piano all the time and then oh gosh the um mr darcy's like aunt or something she's very queer coded as well like a very strong independent woman that like lost her husband is never remarried Mm. and it's just like in everyone's faces (laughs) (laughs) okay so we've got well we do have time for like one more quick story if you have any that come to mind it's not necessarily a story but a recommendation if you want to see for yourself what like actual gay pirates were like in the time the star series black sails mm-hmm. they have lesbians bisexuals uh, cross-dressers gay men and they really show like one like <laughs> how brutal it was historically they show you nassar in havana and how beautiful it is they show you the pirate codes they show you the fight against england and how like the spanish armada is like scary <laughs> whenever it comes up and it shows uh, pirates of color, and at the end you do get kind of a teaser of, like, Mary Reed. Like, when I saw her, I was like, ooh. <laughs> oh, yes. Um, and it talks about all the famous pirates that I've talked about. So Blackbeard. I don't think Black Bart is in there, but Mary Reed. And they have Captain Flint, who's from Treasure Island, 
this just goes to show like how fan fiction kind of like merges into real life. It's a feedback loop. Feedback, yeah. So, you know, Treasure Island was huge hit and Captain Flint is uh, in there. And because he got so popular, a lot of people forget that he's not a real character. So you'll see him in uh, like the Muppets as like the pirate or the captain of the ship or um, in Black Sails as an actual character, even though he's fictional. Mm. And so it's, it's just interesting. And he's in uh, the Assassin's Creed, the Assassin's Creed uh, Black Flag, which is all about the pirates. You can experience Mary Reed deceiving you in the beginning. Uh, dressing up as a man um, and then eventually she reveals herself as a woman and you're kind of like oh, wait what uh, <laughs> and he's in there also even though he's not a real pirate so just just those those little fun if you like playing video games play black flag if you like watching hardcore tv watch black sales excellent so is black sales fiction or non-fiction Ooh. Um, it's historical. But it's not like a documentary. No, no, no. It's historical fiction. Okay. So there's, there's truth, there's a timeline, there's a validity in it, but they do take character liberties and stuff like that. That's all my questions for today. Thank you for doing that. And we will definitely have to talk about fan fiction more later. Hopefully with like real questions and oh, yeah. not my gossipy little tangents. Because <laughs> gosh dang it, the whole Pride and Prejudice story has given me far too many questions. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, so much questioning. Hmm. Do you want to be Elizabeth or do you want to be with Elizabeth? <laughs> That's great. Okay. Thank you, Annika. Yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me and letting me talk about this very niche and very weird historical facts I always have in my brain. My pleasure. 